Colossians chapter one, Colossians chapter one. I don't know about you, but this past weekend with our women's conference ignited, um, it was explosive, was it not? And just thank you to all of you that served and were part of that and that came and participated. We're already hearing testimonies of people being healed. I'll give you one. Can I give you one? You ready for one? All right. Are y'all okay tonight? Okay. All right. Let me find it right here. Um, I'll share this again on Sunday, but um, I will share it with you because you're special, special. Just wanted to share that my 11-year-old got healed in the water Saturday night. She has had digestive problems since birth. They said it was IBS. I don't know exactly what that means. Does anybody know? What is it? Irritable bowel syndrome. Okay, so that's what she was diagnosed. Sometimes certain foods would bother her and then sometimes not. But drinking milk or eating cheese always caused a problem. Um, she would get um, extremely bad bathroom problems, putting it politely, the text read. Or she would get backed up to a dangerous point that would put her in the ER that um, they said as she grew, it would get better, which it did. But drinking milk or eating cheese still would tear her up, uh, either keeping her in the bathroom or stopping her up. Okay, neither were good. She said, we've been submerged five times. And never thought to ask about that. But Saturday. <laughs> somebody touch somebody and say, but Saturday. She said, but Saturday evening, she was complaining her stomach was hurting. So she decided she would ask God to heal her stomach problems in the water. We got in. And, um, and when she came up out of the water, she said, Mom, my stomach has stopped hurting. When we left church, we decided to get Chick-fil-A. We can't go wrong there. And she said, I got healed. Can I get a milkshake? She got the milkshake. Had a huge glass of milk the next day. Monday came home, Monday came home with cheese sticks from school saying, I got healed in the water. Can you get me some cheese sticks now? Think about this five times in the water and never ask for that. I'm just thinking this girl's life has forever changed. I mean, I mean, on multiple levels, but especially now she can have milkshakes <laughs> and Cheerio. Well, not Cheerios, but Captain Crunch and Fruity Pebbles and all those good things that Kids like to eat. But anyway, that's beautiful. So keep praying. Come on, keep pursuing. Keep at it. I love it. I love it. I want to go to Colossians um, chapter, chapter 1. And I want to read some scripture, verse 24, all the way down to the end of the chapter. I've been really, really stirred on... Um, on 
the things that the Lord's been showing me recently about um, my um, not wanting to be, or let me say, he's been stirring me not to settle, not to coast. And not just to take like this testimony and go, oh, that's great. We've hit our, you know, we've hit a stride and, and we don't have to do anything to maintain the stride. You know what I'm saying? Let's just, let's just take our feet off the pedals and just enjoy the wind. The Lord's been really, really stirring me to go deeper and to hunger for more of him. And when the glory series that we're doing right now, I don't even know if we can call it a series, but the glory talks that we've been having on Sunday morning have created something on the inside of me. As I read the scriptures about the glory of the Lord, of how the Lord just walks in or how the presence of God just moves in and everybody becomes incapacitated in the scriptures, accounts of that. I'm longing for that. Even in a prayer tonight, I said, Lord, just, just, Make it literally, I just want all of you unfiltered. Hallelujah, right? And as we continue the series on Sunday in the next few weeks, I'm not going to be surprised if there are moments in our, our meetings on Sunday morning that spontaneously many of us just get on our face before God and just begin to love on him and to weep and to bless him. There'll be others that will spontaneously come to the front and get born again. Others will just cry. Many may just weep and wail. Some may just laugh because of the weight of God. I baptized a lady last night in, or night before in Rochester, and very conservative lady. She's probably in her early 40s. But just joy bubbled up on the inside of her in the baptismal waters. And it looked like she was trying to stop it at times. You know what I'm saying? But it just kept coming up, living out of her. And it was emotional healing for her. So when the glory of the Lord comes into a room, most of the time it's going to be very heavy and very serious. And so there will be uh, mostly weeping and, and repentance and, and enjoying his presence. I remember Smith Wigglesworth telling a story of how he walked into a hospital room and the gentleman was dying. And everybody that gathered around him anointed him with oil and they prayed the prayer of faith and they got nowhere, okay? They, they really felt the presence of God. They really felt that uh, they were making headway. But the man's manifestation of healing just would not surface, uh, Mr. Wigglesworth said, all right, let's stop asking the Lord because we feel that he's answered us and heard us. Let's just start blessing the Lord. Let's just start blessing the Lord. So they transitioned from a posture of petitioning, which is great because he felt like the Lord had heard them. And they went into the, uh, the mindset we're just going to bless the Lord. And so for about five to ten minutes, they just began to sing to the Lord, love on him, and to just lift up his name. And Smith tells the story of how the whole room shifted and the glory of the Lord just entered the hospital room. And in an instant, the man was healed and was raised up from his sickbed. 
I want to know the ways of the Lord. I just don't want to know about the Lord, but I want to know the ways of the Lord. What causes God to move in certain situations? Because what happens here and what worked here may need a different approach over there, even though there are similarities and they're all connected, right? And that's why the scripture says, you know, multiple times about the ways of God, the ways of the Lord. It's important to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, right? And to, and to be um, our ear hearing. And when Smith said, I just feel like we need to bless the Lord. I, I look for our Sunday nights and our revival uh, to, to have those divine interruptions from our worship team. Because we could be singing something. And it's great and wonderful, but there will be a shift and we sing differently. Are we sing a new thing? Are we sing an unplanned song? And then God walks into the room. Not that he wasn't enjoying what we were saying, but there are sometimes you're in the mood for a certain song, right? Come on, talk to me. And, and I'm not saying the Lord's moody at all, but there are certain times that he wants to hear a certain thing from his children. And when we find out what that is and get dialed into it, he comes. Touch somebody and say flexibility. So we have to be flexible all in all areas. Have to be flexible. What does he want? What does he desire? All right. And I don't, I, and I don't, for, I don't, um, think it's beyond the realm of possibility that even as our preachers preach, that they just stop in the middle and say, I'm done. Because he's here. Let's get in sync with what the Holy Spirit's wanting to do. All right, because he can turn on a dime as well. He can just shift and boom. He says, now give an altar call. In the middle of the preaching, at the beginning of it, lay hands on the sick. You know, when we give testimonies. Karen's teaching us this and she keeps pounding me with this. She said, Todd, every time you give a testimony, pray for people at that moment. The testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So if we have a gluten testimony, we need to probably more. She's going to keep telling me until I get it that at that moment, call people forward that have gluten allergies. Why? Because their faith is high. And they said, if God did it for him or did it for her. Now, on Saturday night, this little girl that got in the water had some symptoms. But how many testimonies have the parents heard over the years about food allergies and gluten allergies? And we just had them this past weekend. Hallelujah. Now, the reason I'm saying all of that is to build your faith. We're, we, I feel that, that you're on the right track. I feel that we're, we're on the right road. We've got a lot to learn. And we've got a great deal of room for the Lord to continue to move, right? Verse 24. Mm -hmm. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I now rejoice in my sufferings for you. Listen to what Paul says. And fill up in my flesh what is lacking in the afflictions of Christ for the sake of his body, which is the church. Of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God. Now, I want to pause. I was telling someone a few moments ago before service. That every time that we host a big event. 
and I say every time, and that's probably too generous, but when we hold events, sometimes our bodies get affected by that. I remember when we opened up for COVID. Y'all remember, or not for COVID, but during COVID. And people just started coming. And then we had, I think, our leaders and pastors conference shortly thereafter. And COVID swept through our church. Then we held the women's conference, you know, in January the following year. And COVID was still lingering around and it just swept through our church. 30, 40 people would get sick. And this past weekend, folks brought in all kinds of things. I mean, they came from all over the country. And they're not going to tell you that they're sick. They are sick and they're coming to get healed. <laughs> and, so, and so here we are, you know, two days removed, three days removed. And multiple people are, are not feeling well and they're, and they're sick. Paul made a statement one time. He says, I bear the marks in my body for the way I serve the Lord. And I know we're not threatened with our life, but some of y'all have your body affected by serving the Lord in these big events. And you carry in your body a virus and you get sick and you miss because of that virus. Does that make sense? I want you to know I'm not comparing you to someone that's being burned alive at a stake or turned upside down like Peter and crucified and Paul shipwrecked and left for dead in the street. But nonetheless, you're presenting your body to God to use to minister to people. And sick and hurting people come and it affects you physically. I want you to know the Lord is pleased with you. He's pleased with Pastor Marty. He's pleased with all of our church family that held folks that were carrying a flu or bronchitis. I just, I just want you to know that you went to the city streets to minister, so to speak, to the carnage, to the hurting, to the, those that were afflicted. I bless you for that. I bless you for that. Sunday night, it'll happen again. There'll be people that walk through that door. Now, don't let the spirit of fear get on you. Well, I'm going to stay away. Okay, don't do that. That's just playing right into the devil's hands, right? The spirit, God's not giving us the spirit of fear, but a power and love and a sound mind, right? Okay, you, you get sick, we're going to pray for your healing. If you don't get healed, the antibiotics, rest, orange juice, and some apple pies will get you well. All right? You just, and, and then you're going you're gonna to recoup. You're going to make it. You're going to live, and you're not going to die. Right? You're going to live, and you're not going to die. You may feel like you're going to die, but you're going to live, and you're not going to die. And within a few days, you're going to be right back in the lineup, serving, helping, and now you've got antibodies. Come on. you got your immune systems built up, right? Now, now it doesn't matter who comes to you, right? Hallelujah. So Paul's talking about not that, but close to it. You ready? Now watch this. This is huge. This is huge. And, and he says this 
in backing up, of which I became a minister according to the stewardship from God, which was given to me for you to fulfill the word of God, the mystery which has been hidden from ages and from generations, but now has been revealed to his saints. To them, God willed to make known what are the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles, which is Christ in you. The hope of glory. Everybody say the hope of glory. Now, verse 28, underline this. Because here's our ministry. You want to know what Christ fellowship is all about? You want to know what you're all about? Him we preach. Him we preach. Warning every man. I think in these last days, these last few years before Christ returns, that there is going to be a demarcation in churches. It won't be um, something where we're picking a fight, but our doctrine and our approach to the word of God will become crystallized and dialed in. It will be laser-like. As you approach the end of anything, you get real serious. And all of the fluff, all of the pizzazz, all the superficial begins to dissipate. You talk to someone who's near the end of their life, they don't waste time. They're not frivolous. When they've been given an end time, in other words, there is a sickness that is approaching and they say, this is the end, you're going to die. And you talk to people that they know they have two years to live, their entire worldview shifts. Their conversation with their family is different. Where they spend their time is thought about and it shifts how they spend their money. And I'm here to tell you, and you need to watch this, that as we get closer and the wars and the rumors of war and the famines and the pestilences begin to escalate in our culture, there will be a division in the body of Christ that will be as clear as night and day. There will be some that will just simply want to hold on to what do I need to do to make people happy? And there will be a segment of individuals that say, I'm so stressed. I am so concerned. I can't be serious on Sunday. I need somebody to make me happy. And there will be churches and pulpits and ministries from children to youth to discipleship that will adhere themselves to what the Apostle Paul is about to release to us in verse 28 and verse 29. And then there'll be others that will have nothing to do with it. Are you ready? He says, we're going to preach him. And in our preaching, we're going to warn people. 
I don't know what happened in the 80s and the 90s in our preaching, not all of it, but many, many facets of it. We stopped warning people. I got saved because my Baptist pastor warned me. I would hear messages of the cross and the blood of Jesus, and he would talk about all of those wonderful, beautiful things. But that man would stand behind that huge pulpit. He never walked when he preached. He stood behind that pulpit. And he would be looking this way, and I would be in the balcony up there. And it was as if he was staring a hole in my soul. That the words that he spoke as he turned to this direction somehow would curve and find its way into the depths of my heart. And without apology... Week after week after week, he warned people, among other things, but he warned people. You watch me, okay, and listen to these words, mark them down if you want to. There's going to come such trembling from the pulpit and fear. Not a paralyzing fear of which we are fearful, but we are fearing what people are going to experience who die without God. And fear the repercussions of a Christian who lives in a consistent backslidden state. The Dr. Phil talks, the Oprah Winfrey approach, and the spiritualized TED talks that come from many of our pulpits will continue, but there will be a segment of the body of where young people like you will take the mantle and get a hold of everything that the word says and be young John the Baptist, a voice crying in the wilderness. And you'll not be afraid to call out Herod, the most powerful man in the region, and said, what you're doing is sinful. And Jesus said that John the Baptist is preparing the way of the Lord. Do you see what he says right here? I'm warning how many people? Every man. Every man. I am warning every man. It will cost some people their heads. It will cost some teachers their jobs. It will cost some employers their employment and friendships. But church, if we could spend 30 seconds on the other side of eternity, both in heaven and 30 seconds in hell, a glimpse of it, we would not be concerned about the feelings of others. We would not be judgmental in any regard, but we would be filled with compassion. And there would be a tearful voice compelling men to come to God. You're going to have an opportunity to choose what church you're a part of in the years to come. 
Choose the church where the pulpit has a weeping preacher who pleads and begs for the salvation of humanity. Not the cute, not the relevant, but the broken one. A man or a woman who stands, listen to me, Andrew, between the living and the dead. As if he is warning all of his listeners, the bridge is out. The bridge is out. The bridge is out. I think in this house right now, here's how I would like for you to pray. That all of us would get a glimpse of eternity and a glimpse of his sacrifice and the price he paid. And get a glimpse of what a lost man encounters the first minute while he's separated from God for all eternity. Pray for me. Pray for our staff. Pray for all the pastors that speak at the North Georgia Revival that we would come not with a message that has been perfectly knitted together but a man or a woman who stands between broken and wholeness, heaven and hell with a shaking in their voice. Does this make sense to you? We don't need another seeker-sensitive church. I love them. Their heart's right. They want to win people. And they have a place. I'm not being critical. Do you hear my heart? We need a Charles Finney. You wouldn't believe this, but I passed churches that he preached in yesterday in upper New York. And the man would say, he spent six months in that church and prayed. This is the house that he lived in. We need Jonathan Edwards who will deliver a sermon sinners in the hands of an angry God. We need the Whitfield. That would stand on the back of a buggy and speak to 2,000 people in an open field. And as he spoke, people literally fell to the ground as if in terror because of the fear of God. Do not be surprised that when we get to this point, that the glory of God moves into this room. There will come a time when there will be wailing in the midst of our worship, in the midst of our preaching. Where unredeemed men and unredeemed women cannot wait 30 minutes to give the altar, to take advantage of the altar call, but the pressure will be so great they'll say, what must I do to be saved? 
And all around this building, there'll be spontaneous soul winning happening because behind you will be somebody weeping uncontrollably and the Lord will ask you to ask them, are you okay? How can I help you? Do you want to be born again? Do you hear what I'm, do you, do you feel the, the, the intensity of this? This is not hype. This is not emotionally driven. This is, I think, the kingdom of God. When, when broken ministers who have wept before the Lord stand up to deliver the word of the Lord, that essence will come from them and God will move in this room. And when we pray in this manner, listen to me. I've been light on you on prayer for the last three months. By instruction of the Lord. He said, don't say anything. I said, Lord, I need to encourage them to keep coming. He said, don't say anything. But there is a newness that is coming to the house regarding prayer. It's been great. It's been wonderful. It's just been precious. You know, 100 people show up. That's, a, that's magnificent. Who would not be happy about that? I'm happy. But there's a newness coming to this house. And you will see the results of it when people all over this room spontaneously combust and go, my Lord, I can't wait. Help me. I feel the flames on the bottom of my feet. I feel pressure. I feel like I'm going to die. And you're going to be a minister right here in this sanctuary. Helping people. And we're not going to stop preaching. They'll be wailing in the corner. They'll be wailing on the balcony back there, those risers. They'll be wailing over here. There'll be people over here ministering, and we're going to keep compelling. We're going to keep preaching in the midst of the rumble. Now, I'm speaking in faith. Do you feel it? I'm speaking in faith. I need you to be there in faith. This is not just hyperbole. This is just not something where I'm thinking, well, this would just be really cool to talk about. I sense as we get closer to the end of things, the pressure of the Lord's going to be intensifying in the house of God because we're praying more. We're asking for this, right? We're asking for this to happen. We're asking it for it to happen to our ministers. And why not? He says, I'm going to warn people. Secondly, he says, we're going to teach every man. Not just enough to get you born again, but we're going to teach you. And then he says, and then we're going to present every man. I'm learning my responsibility, Luke, right here is so, it's not to grow a church. It's not to build a body of people who come and call this their church home. But to snatch souls out of hell. And when we snatch them to teach them, to present them before the Lord. Do you see what he says there? Knowing that we're going to present every man. Praise his holy name. All right, stand your feet all across the room. Thank you, Jesus.
I feel it. I feel it. I feel an urgency. I, I, I feel this, this um, rumbling in my belly. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Holy Ghost. Make it happen, Jesus. Let it begin in me. Continue to stir it up, Lord. All of our leaders, all of our pastors, all of our elders, all of our youth and children, all of us, God, all of us, young and old. And everybody said amen. All right, let me close with this. Two things. Y'all know that February 22nd and 23rd, I believe, are the dates that we're going to be at the Eastern Mississippi Correctional Facility. Baptizing, ministering, live on ISN, Facebook. They've given access to us to the maximum security wing where they said, we cannot bring these men into the general population of the prison, but we're going to send... who would like to into them and minister to them. Maximum security, murderers and rapists, violent people, gang members. In the general population, there'll be 150 to 200 people being ministered to in a gym while we're also sending four, five, six different teams into the maximum security for two days. I'm going to have a meeting for all of you that signed up on Sunday morning in Caneo 1 immediately after the church service, okay? If you filled out one of those um, background checks, all of you passed. So you, you get to go. I hadn't heard any red flags yet, so... So just plan on being with us immediately after church on Sunday for about a 15, 20-minute meeting. Not going to keep you. I'm just going to let you know where the hotels are, when we're going to start, give you kind of a, a syllabus. Does that make sense? All right. Now, February the 11th is our sixth anniversary. Bishop Lance will be here. We'll be having testimonies, and uh, God's just going to show up. Now, I got a phone call the other day from a group out of Virginia. That is a film producer, documentary, uh, they do documentaries. And they said, we've heard what God's doing in Dawsonville. We would like permission to come and be in your building and doing a documentary on the North Georgia revival. Well, immediately I went into the protection mode and, and said, we're not so sure we're interested, but I need to know what your heart is. So there's no, I got your questions. There's no tripping up and, you know, trying to find fault with things. I said, you can ask any question you want to ask. No questions off limit. But I need to know that your motive is to exalt Christ. Okay. And they gave me examples of other documentaries they did, especially the Asbury Revival. And it was spot on, perfect. You know what I'm saying? It wasn't to say, look at all the, the crazy people. It was, here's what God did at Asbury. And you could just feel the presence of the Lord as they were talking. 
So we're going to have a film crew here of a small team from Virginia on that weekend of February 10th. They'll be here all day the 11th. They may ask you some questions. Be as truthful and honest as you should be. Just tell them what happened to you. Tell them your story. And then in the next year, it'll be out. You know, just not, it won't be in theaters. It's not that type of film, but it will be documented officially from a reputable Christian History Institute is the, is the company or the people, Christian History Institute. They got like a million followers, so it's a pretty big deal. All right. So um, just be in prayer for that. Amen. Father, would you cause your face to shine upon your people? Lord, would you touch Pastor Marty and Pastor Karen and, and Lord, my little grandbaby, Sutton, would you touch them and heal their bodies right now? And Lord, I thank you. I thank you that our, our bodies are going to get stronger and really virus resistant at all times. Thank you, Lord, that people will be amazed why we don't get sick. Thank you, Lord. We love you. Help us on Saturday night to be here to pray and for Sunday. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, love you guys. Have an incredible evening. See you. Hey, if you had not done so, come pray over the rags and washcloths. They've been prayed for and dipped, but if you want to pray, make sure.